0: gathered in love and service for justice and peace. When I was in school, I never really read any book that wasn't assigned to me by a teacher. And well, to be honest, I didn't read all that many that were. But when I was later in high school, I discovered an amazing thing, which was that there were actually books out there about music. So the first book that I ever read on my own was the autobiography of Miles Davis. Miles was one of the greatest musicians of the last century and contributed more to the genre of jazz than I will probably contribute to anything at all in my entire life. But the thing is, he wasn't always a warm or kind or peaceful person. The way that he spoke about drugs and women and even his fellow bandmates, while quite exciting to a 16-year-old drummer, wasn't always what I would call compassionate. In fact, looking back, I'm grateful that his instrument of choice was trumpet and not voice, given the language that he was prone to use. When I talk with fellow musicians or activists about what music can do to help make the world a better place. I always want to talk about how musicians are better people than non-musicians. I want to say how music taps into something inherently good inside of us and brings out our best selves, and if we all just made more music together, the world might finally be at peace and we could all get along. Unfortunately, though, the evidence doesn't always seem to back up my ambitious claims. Miles wasn't the only famous musician who I wouldn't quote directly in church. There are endless stories of jazz greats and rock stars and so many others who, to put it kindly, cared more for music than for the people in their lives. Our popular music today of all genres often seems to have agreed on a singular love narrative where the author needs someone else in order to be complete, And more often than not, women are the objects of desire, and I don't use the word object lightly. Women are the objects of desire side by side with fancy cars or big houses. Alas, music, it seems like any powerful tool, can be used for many purposes, kind and unkind, peaceful and unpeaceful. There are some good examples, though, of musicians whose hearts were set in love and whose minds were guided by justice. Music might not always instill good values, but I believe it can help strengthen the communities where those who love peace and justice find the support to act on their beliefs. There are people who, when they knew what needed to be done, set out with instruments in their hands and music in their throats to create the world they wanted to live in. In 1928, far south of here in a neighborhood called Praza 11 or Plaza 11, in the heart of Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, the police were in the midst of a campaign to suppress Afro-Brazilian culture. So the laws there at the time forbid blacks to have parades in the streets. But in 1928, some of the most talented and involved samba musicians of the time got together in Praza Once and created a community center for the promotion and performance of Afro-Brazilian music. It was the first samba school, and in defiance of the authorities, they held a parade in their neighborhood. And when they went out into the streets to play samba loudly and defiantly, other musicians and neighbors stepped out into the streets as well, and they held a small, illegal carnival. That first samba school, called Jexafalar, or Let Them Speak, only lasted a couple of years. But the model of the samba school would go on to transform the whole of Brazilian society. Now, every year at Carnival, dozens of samba schools from every neighborhood parade for days on end, each passing through the magnificent Samba Drome, a huge stadium built by the state, to seat 90,000 people for this one event each year. In South Africa, I don't have any reason to think that the music of the resistance brought morality or kindness to the anti-apartheid movement. Some of the songs they sang, to be honest, weren't really that nice. Mother is proud when I hit the white man, they would sing, come soldier, come. But it seems that the music might have given good people the courage and the will and the hope to go out and do what they already know needed to be done. It seems that in a unified family of resistors, they might have seen that no one need act alone. Can you picture a couple dozen or a couple hundred or maybe a couple thousand black South Africans standing together at a rally? having gathered to find a solution to this problem of apartheid. They are ready to march, to make their cry public, but outside the state is waiting for them. Maybe with fire hoses, maybe with tanks, certainly with a number of police following unkind orders. Will they go into the streets? Will they be heard? Will they be arrested or worse? First they will sing Senzenina, what have we done? Sends any na, Sends any na, Sends na. Zenzen Musician and cultural activist Sibongile Kumalo talks about this song with a sense of awe. She says, Can you imagine that's one line over and over and over? I mean, come on, you have no other option but to stand up and go and fight. If someone asks you that, it's like a hammering. The historian and playwright Duma Novolu says that somewhere down the line we will be forced to sit down and view our history and Senzenina, like we shall overcome, will take her rightful place in society. Because at one time a mass body of people related to that song and touched one another's hearts using that song. So, what exactly can music do? I think it can probably help us touch one another's hearts. I think it can remind us that we are not alone when we face injustice and difficult times in this world. I think, I think it can give us the courage to act and do what we already know needs to be done Like the rebel samba musicians of Praza Onze and the communities of South Africa who proclaimed their humanity and their commitment to each other with song and drum beats. Like the women and men gathered in 1863 on Freedom's Eve celebrating their victory over slavery and seeking in prayer and in music a community strong enough to confront a still very uncertain future like the workers of Immokalee in the fields picking tomatoes who know that they are not alone in their struggle for dignity. We know that the world needs our healing and that each of us cannot do it alone. As Unitarian Universalists, finding the strength and spiritual energy that it takes to act on our most demanding of values requires no less than the most loving and committed of faith communities. Let's sing together and pray together and take care of one another so fiercely that we can't help but go out into the world with a profound clarity of purpose, that peace may overflow from our lives and justice may explode from our congregations. May it be so.